Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Hey, this is NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with me, D. Klein. Today's episode is brought to you by the Koi Network. Koi makes minting NFTs super easy and inexpensive. Just drag and drop your file using their NFT wallet, Finny, and Koi takes care of the rest. Minting costs as little as one cent, so you can create as many NFTs as you want. And when they're viewed by other people, you even earn Koi tokens that you can use to fund your next series. Check it out at koii.network. My guest today is developer and passionate collector, Michael Rutledge. Michael Rutledge, welcome to NFP. I'm so glad you joined me here today. Darren, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's really cool. I was uh, strolling around in Miami with Ali Sabat and Emily Lazar. And we come walking into this one of party. And they kind of uh, walked along over to greet you and Keith uh, Botha. And uh, struck up a conversation about, you know, art. And you were showing me your amazing collection and... Uh, that was really cool to to be there with you. And then we we're like, hey, let's do a show. And you host a Twitter Spaces. I host a podcast. So it just seemed like a natural fit to talk. So thank you so much for being here with me. Oh, it, it's my pleasure. And yeah, I think Miami was one of those <clears throat> serendipitous moments for a lot of creators and builders and passionate people to come together and have a lot of the spider-man meme moments where it's like oh it's you it's you it's you but yeah it's it's great to be here i think the these spaces these rooms these conversations are have been incredible for development and for connection and i'm excited to be here thanks so much darren right on now the spaces thing that's kind of your your specialty right you've got the uh spotlight nft that you do how often are you doing that on a weekly basis yeah, so I'll kind of I'll, I'll kind of rewind a bit. So sure, yeah, uh, do it. Go ahead. It, it also starts with my origin story in the space. Mm. Uh, as uh, so, you were with Ali Sabet, and I've been a Sabet collector for a number of years. He's a Southern California artist. Uh, I was introduced to his work in about 2018. Mm-hmm. Fell in love with it, and that quickly evolved into a friendship with Ali. Uh, now I'm very thankful to have six of his pieces hanging in my home. And in December or January of last year, so 2020, going into 2021, he told me about this digital art revolution happening on Clubhouse and on Twitter. And I was like, I don't know, man, let's (laughs) let me see what other work he got. I'm going to hang in my home. And then (laughs) he told me about Clubhouse and Clubhouse became like many a a refuge of conversation. I mean, we're coming out of the pandemic. Uh, I live here in Southern California. My family's back East. So I spent the past two years working diligently and kind of in my own place, working and connecting digitally. So Clubhouse was the next normal iteration of, of this. And then the NFT world took over in January, February, and March. And I quickly realized that this was uh, an uncurated space for incredible creators. Mm-hmm. And my passion for art as a collector uh, and my ability to gab kind of went <laughs> hand in hand. Uh, so a lot of the, the artists that I was uh, connecting with in these rooms, we were just talking. We were talking about possibility, execution, how we can properly build, what what of the old guard needs to be changed as a collector personally. 
you know, working with galleries and brokers is not fun. It's not a, it's not a enjoyable experience. My, my passion for the art that I collect comes from the artist very much. So like my friendship with Ali. So that quickly evolved into a bi-weekly room I would host on Clubhouse, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, it actually started with every night I would host a different artist. We'd do a drop party. We'd talk about it. We'd learn about them. And it uh, it wasn't an open format. It was me discussing their, their history, their background, their thoughts, their evolutions. And I'm very, very fortunate that a lot of those artists that I was talking to in January, February, March, and April have gone on to just have tremendous NFT success this right. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that then in any technological evolution, Twitter, the behemoth came in and was like, sorry, Clubhouse. Yeah. We're gonna re- we're gonna like, release- we like that. We're going to copy it. We're going to do that. We have <laughs> 150 million users so that we're going to instantly. So Twitter spaces quickly became that, that platform and following the, the tutelage and the experience and the, the, ever-growing nature of this community is you know the the burnout was real Mm. so i started getting very hyper scheduled i started looking and talking and 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 beginning to host spaces with with individuals that might have not had representation or the ability in some of this space and everything happened so hyper quick that it was it was incredible and exciting and you know the space is moving quickly and the conversations around the space were, were so informative but also somewhat contentious there was there's a lot of there's a lot of growth happening here very quickly and the balance of mental health and success and growth and not success and all of that kind of intersecting here in these ever available walk around your house on your phone spaces so that's a lot ever available and also inescapable inescapable because i mean you put the phone down for 45 minutes to go do a workout you could miss two years of the space of drama and and insert you know topic here so uh, that's how i got involved i got involved early on i've been in the, the crypto space for a few years but from the merging of art clubhouse and collection and creation all came to a head in, in January, February of this year and it's been, it's been one of the most rewarding years of my life in terms of my prefer, personal and professional growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of the long way long way around into how Spotlight started uh, and I still host them. They're not as scheduled. Uh, I'm working on a few projects so curation is important but very active in the spaces. Again, always will be an advocate for, for artists and and uh, I'm not afraid to call out a lot of the, some of the a lot of the nonsense that I see in the space, but I'm also very thoughtful with with these conversations because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of potential situations that I think with success and especially the money creation happening, where mm-hmm. if uh, artists are are sometimes not able to speak up for themselves out of out of fear of jeopardizing potential success down the road. So I I take, I lean into that pretty hard. Mm, Very interesting. Can you give an example of that or without naming names necessarily, but. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll never drop names or speak ill of any, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember early on in in the community, but there was such a focus on this Genesis piece and pricing format where collectors were, were being really, um, disingenuous to the creator and we this is an infinite 
world we live in now in this digital space. So I was very, very vocal on the fact that get your work out there. Don't worry about the Genesis piece. Find out what your pricing strategy is. Find out what your quantity strategy is. Try it. And I, I was, you know, the artists were not not bending me to the, co the collectors, but they were not being genuine to their own right and their own art in hopes that they would sell out faster. Mm -hmm. And some incredible examples of, of not listening to that are photographers like John Knopf, Kat Samard, Robbie Bora, uh, they've just, they've found that each their own unique way of, of presenting their work, but have found tremendous success because they listened to what they wanted to do. Right. And there was so much external noise coming in on how anybody should do anything, how they should price, how they should do this. And those are just three incredible examples in the photography world. Uh, and then you have like guys like Dario Desania, who, who, and JR, uh, Jonathan Foley, what, how they've done their work and their digital presentation is they've created these incredible uh, series of works that are available and they're the ability to multiply and to get to thousands of collectors is proven in that sense. So there's no right way to do this. And mm -hmm. my, my hope of being a voice as a collector was like, Hey, I, I, love a lot of work there's a lot of work i don't like either that i won't buy from the mm -hmm. same artist so mm -hmm. get your work out there so we can buy it or collect it or support you like that's been my kind of my call to action of my thesis is if it's not available to purchase you'll never know if you're going to sell it so yeah i personally it. for me i'm curious your thoughts on this because i'm the type of artist that i make a lot a lot a lot a lot of stuff like i'm making stuff mm -hmm. pretty much daily um some of it i don't mint of course um of course. But, uh, you know, when it comes to like my known origin works, that's where I might put stuff up, you know, once or twice a week sort of thing. Uh, but I also like, for example, lazy minting on OpenSea, some more of my eh, maybe okay. expressionistic work or things that are a little more loose, um, more spontaneous. I'll have them up on something like OpenSea or whatever. And then, you know, I've dabbled in other blockchains like Tezos, but I never really found a home there. I'm still most comfortable in Ethereum. Um, yeah. What do you think of that approach, though, in terms of, you know, I've sometimes some people will say, oh, you're making too much. And then other people will be like, oh, you know, it's cool. And what do you think? Uh, I don't think Ali will get mad at me for saying this. But as a collector of his, I, uh, I think everything should be out there. I think they're the ability to do that. But that's me personally. Mm -hmm. I, I just think that I this is the first time in, in as a collector where my connection with the artist means almost as much, if not more, than the piece itself. There are pieces mm -hmm. that I'm like, I need to own that, that needs to be in my home. I need to surround myself with this beautiful art because it allows me to live the harmonious life that I wanna live. But there's also things that, you know, Sarah Script is a phenomenal artist. I never would have told you I would have owned calligraphy art 10 months ago, right? ever. Like ever, she was the first NFT I ever bought because I saw it and it said, you know, it's this beautiful calligraphy stencil. And I was like, oh man, I really like that. And I bought that because we spent hours talking on Clubhouse and becoming friends and she was just getting into the space. So when it comes to strategy, I think the artist or the creator knows what's right for them in that space. That gut natural feeling that's right here. It's, if you wanna, you know where it goes, you know where it belongs, you know where your creation should live. If it's lazy minting on, on OpenSea because it's something that you don't think it belongs in your known origin space. Yes, then that can go there. You know, the 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 goal that I have with trying to illuminate this this mindset is 
there is no wrong answer. And the idea of second guessing should be eliminated in this new frontier where we're going. You know, back in the day, the physical piece that you put into a gallery that would had a price tag on it that was on a single street in Brooklyn or something you could only see if you go to that spot. That's that's a very niche way of selling stuff. Right now, at any time in any place around the world with an internet access, someone can see, you know, your piece mm-hmm. and be like, I need to own that. So I look at this as the the intersection of of unlimited opportunity with unlimited exploration space. So again, long answers here. I'm sorry, Darren, but that's, no, 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 I, it's good. Spent the past year like hypothesizing and, and thinking about how about all this, and I'm very, very passionate about it. I really like what you're saying because for me, I've found as an artist, the more I just kind of embrace who I am, and the more I just go with that in my arts, the more it seems to be enjoyed. Do you know, like. Because uh, the, the, there's the energy flow. I mean, yeah, Ali, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So that his, he charges each one of his, and when I say charges, I mean he spirits and charges it. Right. He and activates it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I did actually have a conversation. I don't know if you know this, but I had him on for a podcast and he actually activated me on that podcast. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's tremendous. And, you know, what I think about with that is I can't understand or explain the mythical or the energy fields, <laughs> but there's something, there's something yeah. there. And <laughs> that, that variable that we can't yet explain or understand has power. So I don't need to understand a lot of things, but I find, I know they exist and I, I believe in them. So especially when it comes with the artwork, the, the, there's this commercial that I, I was sharing early on in this space for, it was a 1990s or early 2000s cars.com commercial. Nice. And it's, it's a guy selling this disgusting lime green hatchback and his wife's like, no one is going to buy that. <laughs> no one in this world would ever want that car. And I'll share it with you. And maybe you can post it, post it on the link. But <clears throat> the next scene is a guy in an all lime green uh, room, lime green hat, lime green, everything. He's like, mother of God, it's perfect. <laughs> and it's by immediately. Like yeah. I, the, the, the screen might be our barrier to one another but we don't know what the world is on the other side of that screen. So that's what I, I always lean into the idea that we don't know there's, there's somebody out there that connects with a piece because it reminds them of something that you can never fathom to understand that a, a, stro- a stroke of your brush or a, a sound you make or a, or a piece that you create or an animation that's put out there that it strikes a, a thought or a memory or an idea or something natural inside of anybody and that's where my collecting started i mm-hmm. saw a piece by brandon boyd the lead singer of incubus in 2015 and for the first time in my life i was like, i don't like impressionism i was like i need to own this this needs to hang in my office because i want to look at this piece every day and that started my journey there so i can't explain it and i you know spent a considerable part of my life looking for this the works that inspired me so what clicks for you with NFTs? Like, why not just the old right-click save as? What is it about the um, NFTs that, that captures it for you? Three, three things. So uh, one, the support of the artist. Mm-hmm. I absolutely am obsessed with the value exchange in perpetuity, not just on secondary, but on tertiary sales. The idea that the artist will, in, in perpetuity, remain involved in not just the transaction, but the life of that piece Mm-hmm. is is unlocks so many doors and so many potentials because I never buy anything to sell it. But if let's say I do want to exchange something, I know that the artist will always benefit. 
So it removes a lot of the undue pressure that we as collectors have on, mm-hmm. oh, I can't sell it. I'm sorry for selling it. This is why I'm selling it. it removes that. That's one. Uh, the second part is is history on a blockchain. I think about where this is going to be in a hundred years. And as new personalities and people come into the space, the compounding effect of growth mm-hmm. that has happening here with ownership is is tremendous. I mean, I, I think about in a hundred years from now, if I pass my collection down to my to my kids and their kids and whatnot, they can see the styles that I collected and I liked, and then they could have a relationship with that artist, all with the clicks. You know, by then it won't be clicking on mouse, but it'll probably be looking at it and blinking yeah. or something but yeah. the idea of that future generations will understand my you know even with this video that they can see my passion my love my creation how i went about this world and what that does for compounding effect and the third is is what the collaboration aspect of of nfts have done elisabeth mm-hmm. uh, and yossi i don't know if you know this is not a loop his uh his Twitter is this is not a loop. He animated, <clears throat> he animated one of Ali's works, ah. and that was the moment for me in January where I was like, "Oh my god, this is why." Because I have these beautiful sabets hanging on my wall, but now I went into this like I got to buy a Samsung screen. I got to have this thing because this is this is animated. It's a mm-hmm. piece of work that I own that's now animated with music, and it's it's it went 200 layers deep and 300 layers wide. And I was just like, oh my God. So the collaboration aspect. So those are the three big factors for me that anyone who says the right click save, it's interesting (laughs) because they're gonna have their field of dreams moment where, you know, John just sold an ape for $1.5 million. Can't do that if you don't own it. (laughs) That's right. So. (laughs) You can have a worthless one for free. Which is sure. totally can, okay, right? And like, you can put it and that at all. You can do that too. I mean, you can yeah. hang if, if it's what you want to do, do whatever Absolutely. you want. But if you, you know, you can't, if you're going to throw the right click save game at me, you can't then get mad when I have generational wealth being created for my friends because of, of the opportunity here. 100%. Get on board. The, the water's fine. Like, I don't know why anyone's like, oh, well, why would you ever pay that much money for a squiggle? Well, because that squiggle just got resold because there's a market out there that's fine. In cooperation with the Coin Network, I am presenting Atomic Zombies by D. Klein. You can find these at atomiczombies.io. We've got 10,000 zombies that will eventually be available, each with their own set of random generative characteristics. You can watch your zombies' characteristics unlock, emerge, and evolve as they receive more attention online powered by the Coin Network and proof of real traffic. Check it out at atomiczombies.io. Yeah, there was a Gary V clip the other day where he said, now NFTs are here and you are turning into your parents, literally. The, the internet is just a fad, right? Yeah, you yeah. saw that headline. Like yeah, yeah. The visa, you know, go putting your visa online, how people were so scared of that. And we yeah. were mocking our parents for being afraid of that. We were like, ha, 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 right? But now people in our generation are making the same reaction about nfts right so any anything new that's not understand will be scary and the easy response to that will always be to mock and to criticize sure you know this past year and i'm sure you you might have dealt with it as well but 
when I was hosting clubhouse rooms for hours a night, every night, and my friends, you know, my following me on Twitter and on Instagram, they're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you talking <laughs> to these people that you don't know yep. and interviewing them? And why are you spending all this time? It's like, and I didn't have an answer, but I was like, just come check it out. And they're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And this was within 10 months. Yep. So it, we're also fortunate that it moved so quickly because mass adoption to the world. I mean, once the board apes did what they did and Christie's and Sotheby's and Nike mm -hmm. with Artifact, like we're talking the biggest movers in the game are understanding this now, which alleviates a lot of the, I don't understand it crowd because you don't have to understand it to know that it's happening. Yep. <laughs> it's it's happening right now. And yep. I, the biggest thing that happened was, uh, so I, you know, I started, started in January, February, March, April, uh, family thought I was crazy, went back for Thanksgiving. And now it's, tell us a little bit more about what you're doing. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> of course, I'd be happy to. Also, here's your first NFT. Here's your MetaMask wallet. Yeah. Wow. Like yeah. it's. <laughs> well, and if you look at a case like Nike, you know, they've probably been researching this for months. They've probably been putting things in place for a long time and it's only now that they've announced it you know and you look around at i mean pretty much any major corporation out there they're looking at nfts right now oh and they probably have been for months already but they just yeah. hasn't necessarily announced it right it, it's it's necessary i think the the exciting part for me and we could probably jump into a little bit with what fit labs doing and what mm -hmm. our yeah, projects let's do that. are doing yeah mm -hmm. it's you know every industry has the ability here web 2.0 you know, we talk, I, I, I do it this way. So I had a Blackberry all throughout college. It was an incredible thing. But if I hit that internet button, my Verizon bill went through the roof. <laughs> iPhones are less than 14 years old. Applications as a, as, a, as a construct are less than, I would say, 15 to 16 years old in terms of use and, and mass, mass consumer ability. Mm -hmm. If you look at what our world now is revolved around, there is an app for everything. Thank God, because it makes everything that much easier. And that's in the 2.0 world. The yep. Web 3.0 world in terms of ownership, engagement, activity to play, and NFTs being that, that utility on top of the, the platform is we do not know the unlimited potential to transform industry yet. Yep. And where I think the art art has been a Trojan horse for the world on, oh, look at this. You can own this and trade this and there's value for this. And NFT is a utility. Yes. An NFT is a token that provides access and utility, period. And these smart contracts being written on Salinity and all these other networks are just, they're so integrated, they're so transparent. And for the first time in history, you know, contracts have been around since the, you know, the days of the empire. So it's, now that it's transparent and almost incorruptible because it's verifiable across this network, that changes a lot. Mm -hmm. That changes a lot of, of, of growth and how communities interact with one another and not mm -hmm. just ownership, but how access and use and community is built. So it's, uh, I, I look at it from, you know, I'm in the fitness and wellness space with my brand fit with our brand fit lab. So I work for an incredible firm. We're a, a house of brands where, FitLab is not consumer facing, but our brands are consumer facing. So we take fitness and lifestyle and sport lifestyle brands and we pair them with incredible iconic athletes and we build digital, physical retail and merchandise and mass participating events focused on these modalities. Um, 
a great example is our partner uh, with Paradigm Sports. So we own a brand called McGregor Fast with mm-hmm. Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, international superstar, highest paid athlete on the planet. We're building his gyms, his merchandising lines, his uh, his digital application for his fitness space, at-home fitness. We have all of these incredible uh, verticals tied to McGregor Fast that now what we're going to be able to do with Web3 is tie all of that interaction together in a single space on Web3. So when you do a workout at home, that's tied to your workout in the studio. It gives you discounts to your merchandise. It gives you access to the McGregor games that you'll be competing in in 2023. All of this done through a membership that then that's quantified, layered, and the ability on, to grow on top of that is to speak to other brands. Mm-hmm. So our partner, Paradigm Sports, Paradigm just released their mint pass. Paradigm is the premier representation agency for athletes. MMA, NFL, UFC, you name it. They represent, they have a, a roster, I think of 100 plus athletes, international athletes across the world. They just released their mint pass. Their mint pass gives them now secondary and tertiary access to their communities. So not just to the events, but to direct rewards for their brand partners like McGregor Fast. They have direct uh, connection with their athletes. And as their up and coming athletes become more involved in the space, those communities built around the support of that, that fighter or that player or whoever that may be is a legacy now contract with that NFT pass holding. So Connor coming up, you know, when Connor was coming up in 2013, 14, 15, as he became world champion, yep. I've been a fan. I've been a fan for over a decade. So when we got a chance to work with him, it was a dream come true. Mm-hmm. I have no way to show that other than shaking his hand and telling him I've been, his, been a fan of his. Now, if you're a, a mint pass holder, you have the ability to say, I've been riding with this guy since the beginning. Yep. And that fighter knows it. That NFL player knows it because it's verifiable. There's value in that community. Uh, it's it's just, I look at the unlocking of potential for how communities will be able to be rewarded for not just their patronage, but their their access, their their support, their just the overall involvement where it's no longer just this one-way street of I pay for a service and I get something in return. Mm-hmm. It's I can now earn to provide value and build value in a community space that isn't just metaverse based, but in real life. I mean, we are still very much living organisms out here. So Mm -hmm. as much as the metaverse excites me, I still think that the real utility that we'll see for the next probably 15 to 25 years is in how we use these tokens to gain access, opportunity, and value to communities that we already live in. Mm -hmm. So where along uh, that roadmap are you right now with FitLab? Uh, so we are very, very fortunate that my banging on my the senior's door of, hey, this is something new over the past year. Uh, and I have a very, very smart team of, uh, of individuals. A lot of my, my senior team comes from Nike. Uh, they come from the sports performance world. So they are very, very in touch with what where things are going. So we're uh, about 10 minute, months into development in 2022 and 2023, you'll see the rollout of our initiatives across all of our brands. Mm-hmm. So um, like I said, we have seven brands currently. Um, we'll probably grow to about 10 to 12 brands over the next 15 months. And that will be all interconnected using uh, using our utility. Wild. Connor McGregor, yeah. is, he, uh, is he an NFT uh, fanatic? He is getting there. So Keli, yeah, Keli from uh, Paradigm was a good friend. Uh, Keli and Ishai are, uh, they lead blockchain development and the president of, of, 
of uh, Paradigm Sports, and they represent Connor. They've represented Connor since the beginning. So Audi, uh, Audi Atar is Connor's manager, has been Connor's manager throughout his entire career. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they're developing on the blockchain and with NFTs is pretty, pretty tremendous. Did he ever see that uh, portrait that I showed you? I don't know if he did. He did. did he, he did. He most, he most certainly did. <laughs> That's cool. I yeah. just remember that. That was a weird moment at that party where uh, you're like, do you have a Conor McGregor? I'm like, I do. Show it to you. You're like, yeah, I'm just going to show it to Conor. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm very, very fortunate to uh, for, for UFC 264 this past year. Unfortunately, when he broke his leg with, with Dustin, mm. uh, Conor was training out here in, in Newport Beach. And because we're partners with Fast, we built him his training facility. Uh, got to got to be with him for the camp and his team is is just tremendous. I mean, absolute professionals, just some of the nicest, greatest guys ever. And uh, so that that relationship and the, our partnership really formed a pretty amazing bond over the past year, and especially throughout his recovery. You know, mm-hmm. he is a consummate professional. He is an incredible athlete. Yeah, he's you know he's one of the best. It's the best yeah. for a reason. That's awesome. Very, yeah. very, very cool. I wanted to ask you about this uh, work you're doing with Keith Botha, the Party Animals platform. Yeah. Um, I've, obviously, Absolutely. it's in development at the moment. Like, if I go to the website, it's basically under construction. But yeah, very, very, str- there. very strategic on that for a few reasons. So, yeah. uh, you know, again, a lot of the conversations that we've had over the past year have been focused on how do we open up the, the general population's eyes to the utility of what an NFT can be. And what we've seen with the success of a lot of the PFP projects is that there's metrics that are measured on success that we necessarily don't agree with. Mm. Floor price, uh, how quickly they sold out, and what the secondary market trading is. When I look at what we're building here at FitLab and with our partners, how the utility and access of an NFT should be the focal point, and that'll really be the bridge that that uh, that would be the the bridge that unites the unknowing inquisitive world with what the world we're living in now with with this nft space so the party animals uh speaking society p-a-s-s for short is our acronym mm-hmm. we've been building for about six months and it's really about it's an eighteen thousand uh nft utility token project for this genesis edition and what we're doing is we're building partnerships with in real life brands venues, activations, companies, and, and individuals to provide value to a curated community of, of NFT holders. So really celebrating this past year, the movers and the shakers in this space. Um, we built in silent. We're not announcing a drop date. You can only mm-hmm. mint with a passcode, one per wallet. And the focus is on equal representation, inclusion, and diversity. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that we did notice was that a lot of the spaces being held in real life in New York and in Miami were not diverse and they were not a diversity of conversation either, mm-hmm. which I think is a disservice to this, this entire community. So with the party animals, the speakeasy society, if you will, the goal is to, to properly distribute and promote value through holders uh, in perpetuity. So a mint price of 0.088, it's about 300 bucks with our already established partnerships that values have returned within two months, whether on discount, activation, opportunity to attend, or just uh, in connection or community. And what we're doing with revenues from the project is reinvesting that into the artists in the space. 
So promoting um, full rights reserved for if you're an NFT holder, you can do whatever you want with derivatives on it. We will promote it. We will buy it and put it in the vault. So we, we look at this as a community collection and it will involve into, it will evolve into a DAO where any holder uh, will receive benefit from in perpetuity from the activations that we we launch. So really just how do we show utility and value and access with a diverse community of people of like-minded individuals who are building properly. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's this whole concoction of everything that we've been, been talking with for the past year and doing it you know, in a way that we want to show a paradigm shift in, in release and with launch. That's why the passcode and the one mint per wallet, and, you know, we don't want to sell out in 10 minutes. We want to make sure that every group and every initiative and every DAO that's building has an access to this. So uh, to try to avoid some of the traditional market manipulation tactics that have taken place hmm. in other projects. So that's kind of so the- Let me get this clear. Yep. Say for example, like as an artist, I was like, oh, I really want to be a part of this, right? Mm-hmm. So you're telling me I would mint a single piece? Yeah, so you can only mint one per wallet. So we do understand that it's it's almost impossible to verify you know, each wallet for each holder, but yeah, one mint per wallet. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is we're partnering with the industry. So each, you know, there is a generative aspect to it where uh, think of the NFT as a access pass to a concert, okay. whether it's, it's uh, and each pass will have, we have 27 different industries that we're working with. Each has a representative icon. Mm-hmm. So if you were to mint a NFT party animal pass and when it when it, we do a reveal and it generates your individual pass, you might see a uh, you might see a what's a great example? I, I'll just go from personal use. You might see a dumbbell which represents fitness and wellness, and you might see a clock which might represent luxury, well, you know, luxury accessories. Okay. Um, so that's one example. The goal is to create sub societies within the speakeasy so people can find activations and, and build on their own. So economic empowerment is another huge aspect of what we're doing here. Uh, so with what we realize is that the strength in numbers wins in all growth aspect. So anybody who is affiliated or has connection to or runs any sort of event or activation or brand or company or community that wants to be partners with us and provide value back to the community they whoever facilitates a partnership will then be in perpetuity a revenue shareholder of all future revenues generated from that project hmm. so we want to look at this dow as a as a community of of builders who is always returning value to the holders wow okay interesting so is there uh, some kind of curation process you're going through in order to have people joining this platform how's that working yeah so right now we're we're being very conscious of our rollout strategy so you know with uh it's really the conversations that we have in private it's the the clubhouse rooms that we talk in it's the twitter spaces it's the the discord chats it's the you know we have our founding team is there's 15 of us on the founding team and it's an international team uh every you know representative of every gender color community, you name it, we wanted, you know, this was very organic growth in how we do this properly with with representation. Uh, And 
each grouper or so, we were putting about 15 to 20 codes, individual pass codes to mint into those people's hands. And we're, we're seeing how it goes. And for us, it's, it's really about a, a slow distribution mm-hmm. of the access and opportunity. So you will absolutely be getting a, a, a <laughs> few codes for, your, for you and your community as well. There. That sounds cool. Awesome. That is so cool. You know, I meant to ask you early on because in your Twitter, you mentioned that you were uh, involved with this, uh, the L'Oreal uh, Paris uh, event that was the Reds of Worth. And I know that you were, had mentioned you had tweeted about it. That, tell me about what happened there in regards to your experience. Yeah, so so I'm I'm not involved. I'm just a supporter. Okay, um, okay. So, a lo- yeah, so a lot of the... Uh, the female voices on stage yesterday have become very, very close friends. Uh, my partner, Jude Abuzena, was a featured artist. She's oh, okay. incredible. Yeah, she's an incredible uh, Palestinian artist uh, who's multidisciplinary. So she does work in bio art, neon, and, and conceptual everything. So she's just tremendous. And when she was being featured in the space yesterday as a speaker, got to show your support for your partner and not only that the conversation was was informative about female representation in the space mm-hmm. which i uh, you know i i will scream from the top of my lungs in any way i can that you know the power in the space is, is for the people for wherever you may be and i'm very very fortunate that a lot of the the women on stage yesterday have become very close friends mm-hmm. uh, i'm supporters and collectors of their work and you know i think without action speaks so I will always show up and I will always be there when I can for those that, that I love and I care for and I support. So very fortunate. I think L'Oreal is doing a great job with bringing attention to it. I think uh, the other person that I, I believe is the biggest industry leader in this space is Keith Grossman with Time Magazine. What Keith has done uh, has allowed just so much open, honest dialogue, which is important. I, I, I harp on honest uh, because there's a lot of a lot of rooms that you can go into where it's uh, a lot of words, not a lot yeah. of meaning, not a lot of action to it. Uh, Keith and L'Oreal and some of these other brands that are coming in have done a wonderful job with actually putting and showing value to those artists and those creators. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I it was a lot easier to talk with you in this space than in. Uh... Miami, where there's music blasting. Yeah, and at the surf comer bar. Yeah, <laughs> yell into each other's ears just to hear each other. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's. I mean, those events like Miami, I think, solidify uh, that that this is a real movement, and that the people here, you know, the, the, like any movement, there will be bad actors that come in of to course. try to corrupt the space. But I yeah. think with uh, the ability that we have now to to have open dialogue, open, honest conversation is important. And action is more important. Yeah. Well, and it's fully transparent. Like you said, anybody can plainly see what's going on. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a few instances that happened this past weekend that I might not always agree with some people's uh, strategy Mm. on, on how they go about things, but we're entering a new space where a lot of the, there's a lot of, there's gonna be a lot of growing pains. And they're necessary. Growing pains are, are necessary for, for real growth. Yep, absolutely. Well, hey, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Uh, I really um, can see absolutely. just the passion you have as a collector really comes through. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Sometime maybe we can uh, I can join in on one of your Twitter spaces. That'd be fun. I would love that. I would absolutely yeah. love that. Thanks so much for having me. I think you know conversations like this and 
meeting uh, meeting guys like you are, are so important and valuable and it's part of the journey that I love to have. And I'll be sure to uh, to share that cars.com commercial with you. <laughs> right, so, right on. Heavy so you'll, you'll have to check that out. And I would love to also get you some passcodes for, for party animals. Definitely. That sounds awesome. Right on. Well, hey, stay in touch and I wish you the best of luck. You as well, Darren. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.